All right, Matt. So I didn't tell you this, but, uh, you know, when Ashley was out of town on a conference thing, I was in there cooking and Michael comes up and he goes, have I ever told you that I like your cooking? I was like, no, buddy. Thanks for that. He goes, well, then why do you keep doing it? <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. <laughs> All right, everybody, here we are again. Matt, how you doing tonight, brother? Not bad, man. I'm I'm not bad at all. Good deal. So before we get into it, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that we're happy to be associated with, and you can find some tips and tricks on podcasting if you want to get into that. So go over there to podbelly.com and check them out. We want to thank tonight's sponsor, Raycon, and we will talk more about them in the episode. When this episode drops, you have one week to finish getting in your listener stories for us. So send them in, email them to us, put the subject as listener stories, Christmas stories, holiday stories, don't care, as long as we can know that this is for our listener stories episode. Right. And, uh this is something that has become a graveyard tales tradition. Now, every year we celebrate that Victorian tradition of telling, uh, ghost stories around the Christmas Eve fire. So we want to share if you, if you've had something happen to you, if you've had, uh, something that's happened to your family, it's stories been told, you know, year after year, let us know. We, we would love to hear those stories. Um, and, and this is an opportunity for us to share your story, you can be completely anonymous if you want. Um, you know, we're, we're just going to, we're just going to share these stories, just good old fashioned ghost stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, those creepy things, those things, maybe you don't necessarily tell around the water cooler because somebody <laughs> may go, what's wrong with you? Don't, don't talk to Jim today. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> He's on his paranormal trip again. Leave him alone. But yeah, we, we've gotten some stories already and we are looking forward as we do every year to collating all the stories and getting them out there to you guys on Christmas. So Matt, that's all I've got for housekeeping. So why don't you tell us what are we talking about tonight, brother? All right, man. Tonight, uh, we are going to look at the old Washoe club in Virginia city, Nevada. and this place is is really cool um it's got it's got fantastic history you know yeah. the, the the whole all of those towns out there that were built around the you know the the gold rush and the mining and everything right uh, they have such unique stories um and 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 so many characters that came out of that mm-hmm it it just kind of carries over in into the into the hauntings and the paranormal activity that's been reported there and and what we learned uh researching this place was that that whole town is 
kind of yep. haunted. You know, it's it's just a whole little uh, little ghost show going on. Yep. Hauntburgville. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's pretty neat. Like I said, there's um there's some really great stories about the history of how this town came to be, and you know we're going to talk about some stuff that uh, definitely left its mark on Virginia mm-hmm. city and the old Washoe club. So, so Adam, tell us about the, uh, tell us about the history. All right. So as we always say, go check our sources down in the bottom of the show notes. You can find where we found all this information. You can keep going because I'm not going to have time to get into all of the history of this Washoe club or this town. So yeah. if you want to yeah. keep going on the history, if it's something that interests you, go check our sources. Now, it's located at 112 South C Street in Haunt, Virginia City. I mean, Virginia City, Nevada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this little bit comes from, uh, and a, a lot of the information I've got, it'll it'll be pieced in, but it comes from the Washoe Club Museum. Um, so it's the information that they have on their club. But this says, in the salad days of Nevada's Comstock load, a great social institution was spawned by mining magnates, artists, and men of letters who sought to hobnob in luxury. The Washoe Club gained a reputation throughout the Pacific Coast for luxurious accommodations, and at one time, it was a household term. Now, I had to look up salad days because I've seen it. <laughs> salad days, yeah. I've seen it. I've read it, I've heard it, but I wasn't ever 100% sure what it means. And in this context, salad days means the heyday of something. Yeah. It it also can be the like new the the adolescent stages of something. So depending on context, you can either say oh, he was in his salad days and either mean he was in his heyday or he was in his adolescent day. So it's one of those terms that context really matters. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I knew the term, but I don't, I, I did you find out where it came from? I didn't look what? into why. <laughs> it's like, what's well, like, what, what happened? What around salad in, right. in some fashion that, led people to use it, you know, to mean heyday or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, Maybe. it may not even be salad in the way that we're thinking. It, salad I, could have been like the name of a town. Yeah. You know, I, I doubt <laughs> it's in the, the leafy greens category that we're thinking, but my first thought was it went to, Oh, they're rich enough. They eat salad. They're in their salad days. <laughs> maybe (laughs) well you could grow your own salad you know you could you could grow leafy greens but to make a salad you know that 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 required some opulence to get your i guess mixed (laughs) greens and your arugula and all that stuff in there (laughs) and ranch dressing ranch dressing yeah that's (laughs) ranch dressing in my house is high scale buddy i'm telling you Every chance I get, I'm putting ranch dressing on something to feel highfalutin. <laughs> we got, we've got more stuff to put on food than we have food most this of the time. This is true. Yeah. 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 Yep. It, it, 
the condiment section of the grocery store is actually my refrigerator. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the weird thing is I'm the only one in the household that likes condiments that much. Ash and Michael can uh, take it or leave it, but I'm like, hey, this food is simply a delivery device for this condiment. I am the so. same way. <laughs> That's what Amanda says. She's like, I will never, ever throw away any kind of dip nope. or, or sauce or mm-hmm. anything, you know, because there's no telling when you're going to go looking for it and be like, yeah. man, what, you know, has anybody seen this? Because yeah. <laughs> I've done it. Has anybody I've seen that, that Chick-fil-A honey mustard that I saved from three weeks ago? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's in the condiment drawer. That's the other thing. I've got a condiment drawer packets of condiments that i saved from uh, yeah i did that a long time ago i don't i don't save the packets anymore yeah um, it, it's about I, to it's about to be emptied out because i'm tired of it too but <laughs> we had a canister full of taco bell sauce at one mm-hmm. time, an entire canister mm-hmm. of nothing but taco bell sauce i do save that um in case they don't give you enough when you go and you yeah. bring it home you've got to have more but they sell Taco Bell hot sauce at Kroger now, and that I can just get the bottles of it. I put that on a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Anyway, salad days. That's what started this. <laughs> People are like, what the hell are they I, talking about? Yeah, I thought we were talking about the Washoe Club, and you're talking about condiment packets. What? Welcome right. to Graveyard Tales. Um, now, I mentioned that this was the salad days were of the Comstock load. So what is the Comstock load? Well, the Comstock load is the most profitable silver deposit in American history. It was discovered by accident in June of 1859. The load would go on to spark a silver rush and make Virginia City into a boom town. And it would impel a search for more efficient mining techniques. And during its peak, the load produced hundreds of millions of dollars worth of silver as well as gold each year. 1859, and it was producing hundreds of millions of dollars. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, the American West was just beginning uh, to be settled by European Americans in the late 1850s, with pockets of civilization dotting what had once been known as the frontier. Well, the journey West was challenging, deadly, and long, it says, but people had two options. You either had to sail from the east coast down to the isthmus of Panama, cross the jungle and sail north to San Francisco, or they had to walk or ride thousands of miles crossing mountains and deserts to reach states like Nevada, California, and Oregon. So yeah. people were doing this for the the opportunity to find things like the Comstock load. Yeah. And and neither trip sounds all that pleasant. No. I don't want to hike through a jungle for one. Yeah. I mean, this is before the Panama Canal. Mm -hmm. So if you got down there where it was the most narrow, you still had a land, you know, essentially a land bridge you had to get across. You're right. That was jungle, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's not just the animals you had to fight with, you know, diseases and insects and all kinds of stuff. People weren't, they, they, I mean, like, like I am. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, they these people really weren't, you know, set up for those type of conditions. But they also weren't necessarily set up to go, you know, 
wagon training it out Thousands to the west. Thousands of miles, yeah. I mean, it was dangerous too, you know, mm-hmm. just as. So you had to make a decision yeah. that, you know, our, our fortune lies west and we have to make it, mm-hmm. you know, or die trying. Yep. Just staying where we are, it's not cutting it. We might die anyway. So Yeah. 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 So we'll get back to the Washoe Club. Now, soon after uh, Bonanza dividends surged from $3 per share in January of 1875 to $10 per share within less than two months, an organizational meeting of the club held on February 20th proved to be a prelude to a parade of notables that would come through the club's exclusive quarters, which housed one of the finest libraries east of San Francisco, an elegant billiard room, a parlor adorned with Italian marble and bronze statuettes, and a wine room that boasted an elaborately carved black walnut sideboard. Now, the club's membership roster says it read like a who's who of Comstock and Pacific Coast history. The pages of the club's guest register were uh, filled with the signatures of General Ulysses S. Grant, General Robert Sherman, actor, lecturer Artemis Ward, actor Edwin Booth, and railroad magnate Darius Ogden Mills, and 50 other millionaires of international reputation. So the territorial enterprise of February 21st, 1875, reported the details of the organizational meeting of the previous day. It says, a meeting was held yesterday afternoon at 3 o'clock at the office of Whitman and Wood in the California building for the purpose of taking steps for the organization of a social club in this city. The club begins with 60 charter members who pay $150 each, making $9,000 with which to start. The initiation for new members has not yet been decided upon, nor the amount to be paid in per month by each member. We understand that the club will either purchase or erect a suitable building in which to fit up their rooms, and it is their intention to have everything in grand style. There will be a fine library, and all the lending newspapers of the United States will be kept. Also, the stock reports and all also in the way of news will be brought to the rooms of the club. There will be a billiard room, lunchroom, and all else that is to be found in the rooms of any first-class club of the kind. The number of members is limited to 200. This club will supply a want supply a want long felt in the city and is calculated to do a vast amount of good in a great variety of ways. The names of those who are taking the lead in organization of the club are sufficient guarantee that it will prove a grand success in every respect. So they had big plans yeah for their club and you think about it 1875 at 150 dollars mm-hmm. that's a lot of money you know yeah. that is a lot of money and there weren't there weren't people just walking around with that that much money at their disposal no so and they're capping it at 200 members yeah like, it's not a if you can pull together $150 from your work, you can join the Washoe Club. Well, that was, and that was just your startup. Yeah. Okay. So there, there obviously were going to be, you know, monthly dues, you know, plus, you know, a, a an organization like this is going to fund projects. 
So there's going to be an expectation that, you know, $150 is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. That's just to get in. Yeah. So it, it was not, it was not geared towards the local working people. No. I mean, you know, this, this was for people that were already, um, had already made their way and were just looking to, you know, expand their horizons, so to speak. Owners of the mines. Yeah, that, yeah, that's what it was. That were around there. So within two months, the club had purchased the Reynolds building at 8 and 10 B Street and promptly began renovating the structure to the organization's luxurious requirements. And the Washoe Club opened its quarters for business on June 1st, 1875. And according to reports in the press, applications for membership came in rapidly, but little did anyone realize that the club was already at its zenith. Within less than five months, the palatial club rooms were consumed by the flames that destroyed much of Virginia City on October 26, 1875, and members fell behind in paying assessments on their membership stock. So faced with the need to find a new home for the club and the delinquency of assessment, officers of the Washoe Club ordered on December 10, 1875, that all delinquent shares be offered at public sale on February 10th, 1876 on the site of club rooms on B street. So this next bit comes from uh, a visit Virginia city, Nevada says at its peak, Virginia city was a thriving, vibrant metropolis of 25,000 residents. It was located about 35 miles Southeast of Reno, Nevada, in the Virginia range and in the shadow of Mount Davidson, its hills made millionaires, it says. So largely because of Virginia City's population boom, Nevada Territory was created in 1861, and statehood came just three years later. So you and I have talked before that the, the dates of when states became states are always confusing to me. I always feel like it's more recently than I thought. Oh yeah. (laughs) Always ones in the 1900s. I'm like, wait a minute. That (laughs) shouldn't you have been a state before that? That seems too recent, but yeah, I'm with you. I I feel it too. Now silver and gold, it says was buried deep beneath the streets of Virginia city and men and women traveled from around the world to live and work in, in that town. So miners pulled millions of dollars from shafts and tunnels 3,000 feet beneath the thriving town. The 19th century mining bonanza that turned Virginia City into the most important industrial city between Denver and San Francisco was the result of the Comstock load, like I mentioned. It was a rich deposit of silver ore discovered by Henry Comstock, part owner of the property on which it was discovered. And it was discovered in June of 1859. Getting his nickname for only making pancakes for breakfast, Henry T. Pancake Comstock was referred to as one of the original finders of gold in Gold Canyon, just south of Virginia City. How would you like to have your name be that's, Pancake? That's what I was about to say. Pancake. Mm-hmm. Come on, Pancake. Oh, Pancake Comstock. <laughs> you seen Pancake this morning? I tell you, the only thing worse than that was having a nickname, Cornbread. Oh, yeah. Which was my nickname for a period of time. (laughs) When I was in middle school, 
I got stuck with the nickname Cornbread. It had nothing to do with me eating cornbread or anything. Did you smell like cornbread? No, I was just at the <laughs> wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> That's how most nicknames happen. And, you know, I'm standing there and this Ask guy. Ask my friend Shrek. He comes up and points. He's not pointing at me. He's pointing at somebody behind me and goes, what's up, cornbread? And all of my friends looked at me and were like, yeah, what's up, cornbread? And it stuck. <laughs> I was like, I'm not cornbread. <laughs> he didn't I mean was. me. I was for several years. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's better. I don't know. Maybe that is better than pancake. I, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Cornbread's better than pancake. What about flapjack? <laughs> See, I, I, I deal with flapjack because that could be a multitude of things. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> now, Comstock old pancake there was said to have been lazy employing American Indians on his claims and was a fast talker. Since he was on the scene of the original findings, his name stuck almost instantly like cornbread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you messed up saying that because now That's all right. of our listeners are going to start calling <laughs> you cornbread, cornbread. again. <laughs> and I, I, I don't take blame for what happens to this. I didn't bring it up. <laughs> it's all on you, Matt. So the destitute prospectors from all over the world funneled their millions back into the town by building mansions, hospitals, churches, opera houses, and schools. They imported furniture, fashions, and entertainment from Europe and the Orient. Now, the riches helped finance the U.S. government during the Civil War, as attested by a museum named after General Ulysses S. Grant. In fact, Silver from Virginia City may have helped save the Union. It also helped build empires around the world. Among the finest examples in San Francisco, a city that was built with Comstock silver. So the Ophir, the Gould, Curry, and Consolidated Virginia Mines, those consisting of the, quote, Big Bonanza of 1873, produced at least $300 million dollars in mineral deposits and made telecommunications giant John McKay a virtual overnight millionaire. The Comstock King spent millions of those proceeds on Nevada schools, Nevada School of Mines, located on the University of Nevada, Reno campus, where he where his namesake adorns many of the buildings on campus, including a statue on the quad. In addition to McKay, Fair, Flood, and O'Brien, comprise the remaining, quote, Bonanza Kings. Other notable icons of the Comstock included engineer Adolph Sutro, who later became mayor of San Francisco, banker William Sharon, entrepreneur George Hurst, and the famous Madame Julia Bulet. So, I mean, these these mines made millions of dollars at a time when millions of dollars was... Unheard of. I'm I'm above the law. Yeah, you that's know, true. Kind of money. Um, there's another term for that money I won't share here. Yeah. Um, but one of the most successful mines was the Kohler mine, and businessman Billy Kohler discovered the silver load and established the mine around 1859. Now he wanted to keep close tabs on his money, so Kohler built a mansion nearby 
which also served as the mine's main office. Now, the mansion was later dismantled and rebuilt at its current location on D Street to make way for the mine's pumping station. Okay, this guy had enough money that he could tear down his house and move it. Yeah. And have it rebuilt. Okay. Now, Kohler's men, they they worked at crazy speeds and they brought in silver way before other companies found it. His greatest rival was the Potosi mine. And this competition was pretty intense. They would they would argue back and forth. It it led to violent outbursts and lawsuits. And it was finally settled in 1865 when the mines merged to form the Kohler Potosi mine. Now, that the sounds mine, like a disease. I don't know, Kohler Potosi, yes. <laughs> but, you know, these mines, they brought in tons of money and glamour, fame mm-hmm. to their owners. Um, but the miners were vulnerable as they tunneled through the ground searching for this silver that was making their owners wealthy. Sure. Yeah. Cave-ins were common and explosions and mine shafts killed many, many people. But e- even those deaths and those accidents, they didn't stop the owners. I mean, they kept pushing. Right. So that created some negative energy. And today there are reports of roving apparitions and disembodied voices out there at these mines where it should be dead silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Visitors tell accounts of being touched by unseen forces or experiencing the distinct sense of being watched as they pass through the old central shaft. And perhaps these apparitions are still driven by the same greed that brought them to Kohler mine over a hundred years ago. Maybe, you know, just, uh, you know, this is, this is my silver, mm-hmm. you know, or this, I, you know, I'm, I've got to get all this out of here. I, I've got to make that money. You know, I mean, greed is a strong motivator. Yep. Even you know, in and, death, they can't give it up. And you got to think, yeah, these miners knew when they went down there, this is dangerous. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, especially for those that had had witnessed firsthand the death of their coworkers. Yeah. But, you know, they they were paid. They were paid well. Their owners. Mm-hmm you know, made millions and they needed these people to keep working and they needed them to work hard and fast. And so you got to pay somebody to do that. Yep. You know, so, you know, maybe there's something to it. You know, that that's, it's an odd dynamic that I don't think we've really discussed around a haunting, but it also goes to show just how haunted that area really is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing, you know, we're, we're talking about the Washoe Club and we're going to get into more specifics about the club itself. But like I said at the beginning of the show, the whole town of Virginia City is is haunted. I mean, there there are stories from other buildings and, you know, we're talking about, you know, apparitions around the mines. So, you know, there there's a there's a lot going on in the paranormal realm around Virginia City. Right, right. There is. All right, Matt. So, you know, it gets really hectic around the holidays with shopping and and planning everything and all that. And I I am not 
a big fan of buying gifts at the store because it's, I mean, it's overcrowded and they've got the stores packed and you just can't find anything. So what I do is I go to Raycon and I buy gifts for my family and friends from Raycon. And you can right now save up to 50% off of your Raycon products. And you've heard us talk about Raycon before because Matt and I are big fans of Raycon. Every every one of our family members has Raycon. And I, I, I tell you, Matt, I, I saw this the other day and I'm going to get me some. I saw it on the Raycon website. They have impact earbuds. Uh-huh, yeah. They are impact resistant as well as the dust and water resistant. And they have all the features that you've come to love from your everyday earbuds but i mean you can throw these things around you can you know accidentally fall out of your pocket on the job site you can wear them on the job site if you like i did used to work in a a wood factory you don't have to worry about it because they're dust resistant and all that they can fall out of your ears which they won't but if they happen to they're not going to break so i've got to get me some of these rugged impact earbuds yeah, and they and they look super cool. Oh yeah. And you know, today I was at the store and I was checking out and I looked and the cashier had an earbud in and I looked and sure enough it was a Raycon. Nice. And I even commented, I was like, Raycon earbuds. He goes, They're the best. Mm-hmm. And I said, Trust me, I know. <laughs> yes, and that's they what are. I use. And they are they're just fantastic. But you gotta know, as much as we love the everyday earbuds. Raycon has tons of other products. And, right. and this past year, they've expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. They have a charging pad that I saw, Matt, that you can yeah. charge your phone, your watch, and your earbuds all on the same pad. I know. Super cool. I mean, but they make everything from humidifiers to water filters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and all of these products have the same great tech standards that you know we've come to love from the everyday earbud and right now you can save even more with product bundles including raycon's new build your own tech kit bundle which lets you mix and match three or more raycon products that's amazing i mean it's no wonder why that raycon has racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews raycon has an easy and free return guarantee and they offer free shipping and buy now, pay later options. So, look, you've got somebody that you can find a, a gift for uh, from Raycon. I mean, I guarantee you, you could probably knock out half your list. At least, you know, yeah. Just go to Raycon. So go to buyraycon.com slash tails, T-A-L-E-S, to get up to 50% off site-wide. And these deals are only available for a short time. So you have to shop now before November 27th. That's right. Trust us. You do not want to miss out on Raycon's biggest Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales yet. So hurry now to buyraycon.com slash tails, T-A-L-E-S, to get up to 50% off site-wide. And remember, do it before November 27th. That's buyraycon.com slash T-A-L-E-S to get 50% off Raycon products.
to talk about some of the, the notable people that came to Virginia City. This says, while the Virginia and Truckee Railroad transported bullion from the rural highlands of Virginia City to Carson City, the territorial enterprise with literary whiz Mark Twain delivered news of the day to the vibrant mining metropolis of 25,000. It was in Virginia City that Samuel Clemens acquired the pseudonym Mark Twain. And at, age, at the age of 26, in the summer of 1862, with just $45 to his name, Clemens accepted a job as a $25 a week reporter from Virginia City's most influential daily newspaper. A year later, he began signing the name Mark Twain to his column. Now, in a letter to his mother, he described life in the rowdy mining town. He said, quote, I have just heard five pistol shots down the street. The pistol did its work well. Two of my friends were shot. Both died within three minutes. So it was a rough, rough and tumble town. Yeah, it was kind of kind of lawless, mm -hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Now, in 1868, Mark Twain reminisced and wrote about his journalism career in Nevada with the Virginia City Territorial Enterprise. He said, quote, to find a petrified man or break a stranger's leg or cave an imaginary mine or discover some dead Indians in a Gold Hill tunnel or massacre a family at Dutch Nick's were feats and calamities that we never hesitated about devising when the public needed matters of thrilling interest for breakfast. The seemingly tranquil enterprise office was a ghastly factory of slaughter, mutilation, and general destruction in these days. And this was Mark Twain's letters from Washington, number nine, Territorial Enterprise, March 7th, 1868. So, again, it was quite, uh, quite the rowdy town. Yeah, but a lot of, a lot of these startups around mines were that way they sure were we've talked about other mining towns and other areas mm -hmm. um you know it's like in alaska yeah um you know the there it was it was essentially every man for himself you know there was no real law right um that that governed how things went and how people were supposed to behave yep you just kind of crossed your fingers and you know, hope nobody got in a fight because it 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 led to shootouts and and things like mm -hmm. that. So you you didn't really have anybody to lean on to keep the peace. Right, right. Now, as Matt mentioned, working the Comstock load was extraordinarily dangerous. It says apart from the risk of cave-ins and underground fires, miners had to worry about underground flooding. The temperature of the water below 700 feet rose to 108 degrees. When miners penetrated through rock, steam and scalding water would pour into the tunnel, and miners had to jump into cages, risking death if the hoisting mechanisms failed to lift them up quickly enough. Now, in his book, Roughing It, Twain described the arduous process of refining the ore. Workers wielding sledgehammers broke up the ore, which was then pulverized by machines. The dust was mixed with water, mercury, and salt in heated tubs. The mercury attracted particles of silver and gold. When heated, the mercury evaporated, leaving pure gold and silver. About 15 million pounds of poisonous mercury were used to extract gold and silver from the ore. Today, 
the Comstock miners, the Comstock mines are contaminated with levels of mercury 26 times higher than the federal standard. Yeah. So everybody was crazy. Yep. Yep. Okay. The, the mad as a hatter mm-hmm. came from mercury. Now, as the Com, Comstock declined, so did the Washoe Club, with member membership renewals continuing to drop off monthly until its ultimate demise in 1897. The famed Territorial Enterprise reported, quote, the closing of the Washoe Club marks an era in the history of Nevada, as did its opening. Now, the saloon on the bottom level of the Washoe Club, it continued to operate long after the club shuttered, though the second and third floors sat empty for decades. Lavish amenities were stripped over time, specifically in relation to a renovation gone wrong in the 1980s. Though the second and third stories haven't been used for more than a hundred years. Apparently this isn't stopping the ghosts. (laughs) No, it doesn't stop them. It doesn't stop them at all. And the haunting of the Washoe club is it's legendary. I mean, you know, people, people just know, you know, this, this is one of the most haunted places. It's been said in the West, um, it's it's definitely one of the most haunted places in Nevada, um, you know, and but it sits right in a town that's, you know, pretty well haunted. Now, some of the spirits that are seen at the Washoe Club have been seen so frequently that there they've all been given essentially, you know, names. You know, I they you were going to say they all, they all started being charged rent. Yes, but <laughs> might as well. <laughs> you know, one thing is Adam talked about, you know, that the upstairs, the, the two upstairs floors of, of the, of this, uh, the Washoe club of that building, um, you know, it, it was known as the millionaires club and it, it was private. You know, the, the general public could come in and have a drink at the bar and, you know, get something to eat, but they weren't going to venture upstairs. And it's interesting. The club had the main entrance, but then it had two secret exits out the Ooh. back. Okay. Because usually it, you've only got one back exit. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this place was so wild. It had two. Wow. Because never met one of them. <laughs> not lately. <laughs> Although there was no, never mind. That's for another show. Um, That's for Patreon. Their prostitution was was a really big thing, um, you know, because you've got you got men, you got money. I mean, that just at that time, that's what it you know, that's what it came to. Yep. And True. and these these wealthy men were known to have prostitutes upstairs. The problem was, is these prostitutes were considered below level of an average citizen. Mm, yeah. Okay. They, they didn't, nobody was looking out for them. We already said it was kind of lawless anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, n- nobody was even much less to say, you know, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't have prostitutes here. Well, there's nobody that's even around to protect those prostitutes. So a lot of these prostitutes were, you know, mistreated, beaten and often murdered yeah you know and and as horrible as that sounds i mean we're talking about wealthy men that like i said they had uh 
they had that above the law money. Mm-hmm. Well, when there's no law and you have all the money, you pretty well do what you want. Yep. And and they did. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but that's also why those secret exits were put in the back is to help these guys get out, you know, to get, you know, dead prostitutes out. I know that sounds horrible to say, but that's what it was for. Yeah. But one of these prostitute spirits seems to want to linger on for a little while. And she is called the lady in blue, which, you know, it's always a lady in white, lady in gray. Mm-hmm. So a lady in blue, she's often seen at the top of the spiral staircase. And this spiral staircase is, is pretty cool. I'm going to talk about a little bit that uh, a little bit more about that in a minute, but she's a mischievous spirit. Um, but she she appears on this on that second floor in a blue dress, blonde hair, and they have nicknamed her Lena. Okay, um, it is believed that Lena was a former local prostitute who was murdered in a third floor bedroom. Now Did she have one leg that was shorter than the other one. <laughs> Lean? Uh, no, that was her sister Eileen. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, th- as if that wasn't bad enough, the murderer, uh, the murderer committed suicide on the second floor, and his spirit still hangs around. Oh, great. Yeah. So you've got the spirit of a murdered prostitute and the spirit of the murderer in the same building. That can't be good for the haunting. But the but the the spirit of the murderer is described as being more like a shadow figure, um, and it is it it is attributed to Lena's supposed killer. Um, but it's an unknown male entity that is seen around the upper floors. Hmm. Now it's not the only murder to have occurred on the grounds. There is also reports of a teenage girl whose spirit still wanders the basement where she met her untimely death. That's one of those. um, There's no real record of that happening. Right. Right. Um, So you, you begin to wonder, is this just legend? Um, But it would be a legend that was devised to explain the haunting, you know, that occurs in the basement. Now, another apparition that's seen around the club is a young girl in a white dress. And she seems frightened or very shy when when guests are in the club. Now, despite her shyness, some visitors have reported being touched or grabbed by small invisible hands while ascending the spiral staircase as if there's a ghost child reaching out to them as they pass by. Hmm. And this spiral staircase, it's closed now. You cannot go up and down it. Okay. It's considered too dangerous, but it's one of those that was designed without a center post. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, And and so it's architecturally, it's very unique, but um, because of the time uh, that has passed since its construction, it's, uh, it's pulling away from the wall a little bit. So, 
you know, they've closed it off. You can see it, but you can't go up it. It's just a little too dangerous now. Now, down in the bar, there is the ghost of a former prospector who is said to linger and cause a little bit of mischief. Now, the prospectors are... Yep, I meant what you knew. (laughs) The prospector's spirit is said to often move bar stools around and even knock them over. Now, modern-day bartenders will indulge the prospector's spirit uh, by leaving full shots of bourbon on the bar before closing down for the night. Come, Hmm. Come morning, the glass is always empty. That's weird. Yeah. And and thirsty ghost. It doesn't it doesn't evaporate that fast. Um my thought is you know, I'm leaving the shot for the prospector, and then as soon as everybody turns around, throws the shot back. Have they have they checked for a a homeless guy living in there? (laughs) That's what I'm saying, you know. It seems like some somebody's drinking that. But nonetheless, Mm You know, that that's what they do, and they say that it's always gone in the morning because the prospector likes his whiskey. Um, so the disappearing drinks, uh, mysteriously locking doors, and tipping bar stools are just some of the paranormal activity that occurs in the bar area. But it seems like the prospector also likes to keep an eye on the ladies. Witnesses have seen the front door swing open for some women as they enter the bar. Hmm. So as they're walking up, door will swing open to let them in. That's service. That's right. <laughs> service service with a with a spirit, I guess. Yeah. Service with a ghoul. Now, uh imagine going into an old haunted building for a tour and finding a room labeled the crypt. No thanks. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. What? Why? You're like, uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure they've been asked many times. What do you store dead bodies in there? Well, the answer was yes. Many years ago, a sign on the door reads, "This was Virginia City's overflow morgue, used to store the bodies of the many who died during the winter when the ground was too frozen." To dig the graves. That's got to be good for the spirits. Yes. Yes. It goes on. It says the crypt was a temporary rest in peace place until the ground thawed in the spring and the bodies could be officially buried in the cemetery. Yikes. <laughs> and that's, I, I realize you've got to do that. Like that's, it just has to be stored somewhere but why why not find a different place yeah like other than the the club you know you you go in during the winter to visit your cronies and have some drinks and you stumble into the wrong room <laughs> to go to the bathroom and you're like, Oh my God. Whoops. Holy crap. What's going on in mm-hmm. here? That might scare it out of you. If you weren't already going. Yeah. Now the staff reports that items are regularly being thrown in the crypt room. Thrown, not moved, thrown. Yeah. 
Well, they angry. <laughs> That's right. You left my body here all winter. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also a room on the third floor called the Red Room. And staff report that inside the Red Room is an aggressive entity that's known to cause problems. Now, they they said that he causes a, a ruckus, so makes a lot of noise, and also slams the door. Now, paranormal investigators and guests have reported being grabbed or even scratched by the unknown being. Hmm. Now, one of the more interesting aspects of the old club is this spiral staircase. I talked about it earlier. Now, there is a sign explains that it was featured in Ripley's Believe It or Not as being the longest of its kind without a supporting pole. The staircase was built in the 1870s to provide access to the upper story, which was where the Millionaire's Club was. So I mean, now that's pretty. That's pretty cool history for a place that's already got pretty cool history. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 longest spiral staircase without the support pole. Yep, that's a, a a cool. Uh, Why can't I remember the name of that place we talked about? The that the miracle staircase. Yeah, the the chapel. Yeah, uh, the 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 chapel where it was the the mysterious man built it. They they say he was he was Jesus or or one of the saints yeah. or something. Yeah. It, give me a second. I'll look it up. Just because we did a show on it doesn't mean we remember it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a, exactly. I, I remembered hearing Joe Walsh in an interview say that you know just because you wrote it doesn't mean you can play it. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's true too. That's very true. <laughs> Well, while you're doing that, let's talk about the, the second and third floors. As I said earlier, they're not open to the public. The The second floor ballroom in particular has been the site of so much activity that a psychic was hired to to walk there. Adam's, got, Adam's raising his hand. Loretto Chapel. Loretto Chapel. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I had to go look it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Yeah, Loretto Chapel. I remember it now. You know, just, it was right there on the tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. Same. No, it was. <laughs> so I was talking about the uh, the second the second story ballroom. They they hired a psychic to walk through there and try to communicate with all the bothersome spirits um, that people claim to come into contact with. Now, the psychic said that there was a very evil spirit and declared that she would never return there again. The third floor was, you know, the location of the the Millionaire's Club, which was, you know, kind of a a dark and shady deal, you know, liquor, gambling, prostitutes. Um, And it was also the site of, as I said, several murders, but also rape. Um, was common there too. You know, it was just, this was, this was unchecked wealthy individuals that did as they pleased with no recourse. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the ghosts that are present in the old Washoe club, many are assumed to be among the victims of this, of the third floor, um, attacks 
along with the corpses that are that were stacked down in the crypt. I mean, you know, everything, everything across the board just says this place is going to be haunted. Oh, yeah. Really oh, yeah. haunted. You know, the, the negative energy yeah. in that place. Negative energy, death, you know, um, dead bodies being stored here, uh, violence, you know, mm-hmm. crimes, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's a lot of negativity. Now, I included this. I think y'all kind of know how we feel about this, but it is interesting to point out that the old Washoe Club has been investigated by Zach Bagans and the crew from Ghost Adventures three mm. different times. But the 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 neat thing about this is Virginia City and especially the old Washoe Club was the location of the original Ghost Adventures documentary that was done in 2006. So the documentary that kicked off the show hmm. that, that led to, you know, uh, the, the whole career for the ghost adventures guys started right here. And That's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I've seen interviews with Zach talking about this place where he, you know, he kind of feels like the, the spirits there have have called to them to come back and you know one of the one of the staff members there said he said it's barely a day goes by without somebody mentioning ghost adventures in the owasho club because that's where the the majority of the general public has heard about it is is from those episodes so i know recently i don't well i don't know how recently but Within the past year or so, Jack Osborne, uh, he his show Night of Terror did an episode at the Washoe Club. He and Kelly Osborne were there. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty popular as far as uh, ghost hunting groups go. Yeah. So so go and uh, go and Google this. Well, go on YouTube. Go on YouTube and look up the old Washoe Club, and you will see firsthand how many investigations have been done. And it is it is a, a rarity to find an investigation where something doesn't happen. Mm. You know, um, I, I watched uh, probably a half a dozen investigations from different paranormal groups, and it just it is so active i mean now you know they may not get a whole lot but they're going to they're going to most likely hear some sounds catch some evps that are fairly convincing um to the you know photographs of full on apparitions yeah um you know so it it it's a wide array of evidence that has been collected here and people still are going out there to do these investigations because it just it it's like it's like the core uh, of the haunted and uh, haunted activity that goes on in and around Virginia City. One thing when I was doing this though, you know how we have talked about um, running water and limestone and all this stuff that mm-hmm. goes underneath some of these buildings, if it doesn't work as a natural battery to fuel that energy. I know that's that's a 
it's been a common theory in the paranormal world for a long time. Um, but what about all this, all this ore, all this metal that is, uh, that's underneath that city and, and around there. I mean, what about all of that? That was there. Um, and you do have water in the tunnels too. That's right. So. You know, so you've got underground springs and things like that. Um, I wonder how that plays in the mix with the providing the energy for for uh, for a haunting, or just for some really bizarre things to happen. And then you introduce that metal in there. It, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious though. If that plays into it somehow, I I would assume so. If if we go out on the limb of saying that running water and and stone like that act as a energy source for the paranormal, then why? I mean, we we've talked about crystals doing the same thing. Yeah, or would be just as conductive. It, I mean, it's used to conduct electricity. Different types of ore are. So why wouldn't it add into that? If you've got all of that stuff happening, why wouldn't it be some type of energy device, energy storage device, delivery device, something mm-hmm. for paranormal energy? Yep. Now, the, the old Washoe Club does tours. Um, and I, I looked at the tour. It is... Um, it's very reasonably priced. I think it's only ten bucks for adults, um, which you know, in 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 this day and age, is that's that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about forty minutes long, but when I was reading the reviews of the tour, it it pretty much said if if you're into the paranormal at all, you know, if 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 you if you like to watch these ghost hunting uh, ghost hunting shows. If you like to read about this kind of stuff, then this is absolutely for you. You will love it. It is mm. a do not miss if you're if you're visiting Virginia City. Cool. Um, they did say it has a lot of really good history, but they said if you're if you're a disbeliever or you know a skeptic, you know you you may not enjoy it as much. But you know for a place to be, you know see one review after another, just talking about how great the tour is. Um, you know, if you're out that way for that price, I definitely give it a go. Um, yeah. And I, I like those tours that bring in the history of a place as well, because as you and I say all the time, the history is very important to understanding the haunting. That's right. Without the history, you might not understand them or you might not be able to interpret what the haunting is. So the tours that go through and don't give you any history, those kind of bother me because they're just like, oh, here's a ghost here. (laughs) There's a ghost there. This one touches you. That one sneezes on you. And it's like, well, why? What's the history behind it? So the good ones always give, integrate the, the history of, that corner of the town, yeah. that building in the town. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've what is about thirty-five miles south of Reno. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not way off the beaten path. I mean, if you were in Reno, you could make it there. I've I've been to Reno one time. Have you ever been there, Adam? No, never have. It's um, I don't know why anybody would want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I I'm gonna tell you the absolute truth. Um, we got you don't know either. We we oh. we got off the plane and got in a cab to uh to the hotel resort casino we were staying at. We were there for like three days. We didn't go outside until we got on the, we got in a, a, a airport shuttle to go back to the airport. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, we didn't go do anything. I, I couldn't tell you squat about the town of Reno, but I, <laughs> I knew that casino inside and out. Yeah. Um, but you, you knew know, where the casino was lo- the casino was located. Yeah. But- I mean, we just we didn't really have time or the need to get out and roam around. But there was also a sandstorm going on at the time. Mm. And so all of the TV screens around the bars and stuff were showing the sandstorm. Uh, it was like we don't we don't need to go outside at all. You know, this <laughs> this will absolutely kill me if we do yeah. this. <laughs> Like, you ever been sandblasted? I don't want to be. Let's stay inside. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so tell us what you guys think. You know, have you heard of the old Washoe Club before? They were in the Millionaire's Club or, or things around Virginia City. Let us know. Um, the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. You can go on Facebook, search the graveyard, and you'll find you'll find us and thousands of other listeners who just enjoy sharing these stories and these personal experiences, these jokes. You know, we've even got folks that have come in there and asked for help dealing with situations in mm-hmm. their homes. Um, so go and check that out. And you can take a look at our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com. And there you can listen to the show. You can find links to purchase Graveyard Tells merchandise. And you can become a patron. And, you know, as Adam mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, you know, we have a large catalog of bonus episodes on our Patreon site. We appreciate all the donations that you guys have made over the years and continue to make. It's really what helps us keep this going. Yep. So I think that's it for uh, for the Washoe Club in Virginia City. Mm-hmm. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon.